We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Anna, Derek C. Apollo with little Stevie, Stevie Ribeiro. We have a great show planned for you today. Before we get into it, you please head on over to iTunes. You can really use that five-star review. Help us go up the charts. If you like what we do, if you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor. Go ahead and give us that review. That five-star review will help get you into the contest for a $50 gift ticket over to NFLShop.com, hopefully to buy Ram stuff. Now, these other guys on the show tonight won't agree with us, but, you know, it's our show, so oh well. 
Also, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, and Player FM. Don't forget, you can also find us in the L.A. area at, on iebeatradio.com. Airs the show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Appearing today, guys, as part of our tour around the league is packed to futures. The sweet co-host, Fred Thurston, is going to give us the lowdown of the Packers this offseason. And then we're going to sit down with the co-host of NewJersey.com's the No Huddle Show and Eagles beat writer Zach Rosenblatt to check in with the Super Bowl champs. Ooh, Super Bowl champs. All right. But before we start with Fred, we do want to thank a sponsor. We've got a brand new sponsor this week. Hey, most of us here, Zach and Fred excluded, are addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history, the bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the stories of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 and 1957. So as we approach Father's Day, check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about Norm players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Peters, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s L.A. Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and also on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's also available in hardback and electronic format at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the Internet. Everyone, listen, trust me, if you like history, and that's what Rams Talk does, we do a lot of history, this book is worth it cover to cover. It's worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. It's a great story, also about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Trust me, check it out. Hollywood's team grits glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, here we go. First in today's show is Fred Thurston, writer over at Pack to the Future and co-host of one of their podcasts this week. They have a lot of them. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, like 85,000 podcasts over there, man. What's up with that? And just want to thank you for coming on, Fred. We're glad to have you on the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we have grown at Pack to the Future like crazy. Uh, just within a couple of years, it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I was over there and like saw, I think it was, is it five or six podcasts you guys have now? Yeah, and it started off with just mine and then the, the Godfather of Pack to the Future. And, uh, since then, we've just been building. It's been exciting to get to know new people and, uh, branch out a little bit more. Well, we're glad to have you on. Uh, let's get right into it. A lot of things did go wrong for the Packers in 2017. So what has Green Bay done to address their problems and what issues are still there? A lot of things went wrong, as in one thing went wrong, and that was Aaron Rodgers not being behind center. That changes the entire game. It changes everything we kind of are, and that's just the position we were unfortunately kind of put in by having such a great quarterback. Um, it kind of limits you to put a, an entire team around him, and, and there's just been some hit or misses. We haven't had the best, uh, the best drafts in the, in the re- previous years, but I think what they did and, and they had to do this offseason was kind of kind of got the whole organization out with keeping some of the, the, the crucial parts together and the head coach, uh, not get rid of, don't get rid of that chemistry and that relationship with Rodgers because he kind of, he's becoming that big. But I think getting rid of the defensive coordinator and Dom Capers, crucial. Um, I think you can ask anyone in the state of Wisconsin that was a must. And then getting rid of the offensive coordinator and just kind of, kind of putting a new fire in this team and kind of switching the, 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 the tempo up, if you will. Um, our defense was just a lackluster, and there wasn't a lot of heart in the in the defense. And I think bringing in Patton and then going so heavy on the draft will uh, really get to see some change in that defense, especially. And then offensively, Aaron Rodgers coming back changes everything. 
it, it that's just how it is. That's who he is. And and without him, we're we're the Packers of the seventies and eighties. And with him, we we have a shot every single year. And I think it's it's so unfair to kind of judge a season when he's not there, um, as it would be for you guys if you you know lost Gurley or off now. I mean, those are things that if that happens, it's hard to to really put a gauge on a season. Um, as you'll probably hear from the Eagles, the Eagles guy up in a little bit, they they apparently can't afford to lose their quarterback and do pretty well. So basically, I just think that the appropriate changes were done in the in the coaching staff, and then I think they applied what they needed to um, in the draft. And a little bit in the the free agency, we've never been a team that's really made splashes like you guys have um, this week, this last year, but. I think uh, just some calculated moves, and I think we'll see a big change just with the attitude and the system that Petten brings in that defense. And uh, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers being healthy it makes a huge difference. First of all, I just got to say, went to school at Marquette, so big Nuclearis and Cheese Curd fan over here. a boy, good. <laughs> Anyways, so you mentioned the defense and how you guys went a little heavy in the draft. Nice a little bit that you went with not one but two cornerbacks early on. Did you think that cornerback was this pressing of an issue that they needed to address it that heavily in the draft and did you think they were able to fill some of the other holes in the roster later on i do i think the way that new gm brian gutekinds attacked this draft was perfect um when you look at it from the espn side or you know just the the very vague common fan side everyone was, was reaching for an edge rusher that's what we all thought would be so important. Here's the deal with that. We have Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, who I know aren't stellar, but we're paying them as if they're stellar. Um, and so it's hard for, for me to be like, okay, let's go draft an edge and then try to put these three guys on the field at the same time uh, for the rookie to learn and, to, and for Matthews and Perry to really earn their money. To me, the two most crucial positions as we entered the draft was cornerback, getting rid of Demarius Randall. Obviously, Sam Shields got hurt a few years ago. You guys have him now. Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde. There was just a lot of guys that have left in the in the previous years, and we've been kind of depleted. And I think as a huge Ted Thompson fan, that was one thing that Ted Thompson failed in the, in the previous years and towards the end of his his reign, if you will. But I think what the Goot did, uh, new GM Brian Gutekinds, was get the most value by trading back Getting a first pick next year from the Saints, getting moving back into the first, getting Jair Alexander, who is a very feisty, uh, tough, kind of that new attitude corner that we're looking for. And then to be able to get Josh Jackson early in the second, you're looking at two first round talent guys uh, that we were able to get in the second and a first round pick next year. Which brings me to the edge situation. If you look at next year's draft, heavy, heavy, heavy on the edge. Um, so now having two first round picks gives you a little bit of playing room. Um, and I think that's kind of where new GM Brian Gutekinds was looking uh, and kind of focusing was the future. And that's where most GMs have to. You can't always play for this year in that sense. You have to always be considering the future. Getting a rangy inside linebacker and then getting a, a few other guys later in the, the draft defensively. Um, I think they did the right thing. I think that they shored up that cornerback position. I know that we're going to be real young, the two corners, and then Kevin King, second-year player, but coming off a little bit of an injury. It's a little nerve-wracking uh, just because you want to have someone that you can feel you've got some tape on, you've got some knowledge on, and these guys are, are pretty much all rookies coming into the season. Extremely talented, uh, and I think we'll see some some good out of them. They have some, some good safety help with HaHa Clinton-Dix. 
And I think the defensive line and linebackers are going to be a lot better this year, which will obviously give the corners a little bit more time to, to do their jobs. Let me back up a little bit. You mentioned Ted Thompson, Dom Capers, respected people in the league. I want to zero in on Capers here because Capers especially is well known for being an outstanding defensive coordinator, but you're telling us, eh, well, you're over here on him. What happened yeah, with Dom Capers? Not Dom Capers was a little too old school, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, I feel like I always tell people that that Dom Capers came to this defense or, or brought to the first practice, the first meeting with these young 21, 20 year old guys and brought them a playbook written on stone. And it was just, it was too old. It was, it was the terminology, terminology wasn't there. It was a little too complicated, a little bit too early nineties, if you will. And they just didn't get it. They didn't feel it. They didn't, they didn't want it. And he didn't always play the right scheme for those players. Um, and I think that was always kind of the biggest issue. Uh, he was more of a, a personnel first scheme second coach, uh, with, you know, uh, actually, I, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. He was more of a scheme coach, not a personnel first coach, and just focus on his scheme and hope that other guys could fit in. And, and it just didn't always work. And I think it was just time for a new change, uh, for a re, a reboot, if you will, for these guys to kind of get excited about something. And Petten, I think, brings that Stafford actually last year. Uh, was quoted as saying, we knew what their defense was running the entire game. That's how obvious it was. That's how old and outdated it was. And I'm sorry, but that's not cool. <laughs> I don't want that as a fan, and I'm sure as a player, that's got to be extremely embarrassing and hard to play with. Looking back at the offseason, we obviously touched on the draft, and uh, even including that, I guess, in free agency. What do you think the best moves that the Packers made this offseason were, and what would have been the worst, if any? I think the draft was was really well played. Um, I think he did what we needed. I think he got the positions that were all kind of uh, question marks and really kind of put a little boost into that defense like I've been talking about. Um, I love the Mo Wilkerson signing, uh, bringing him over from the Jets. I think he kind of helps out that defensive line. You guys got to remember that we had Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark, who has progressed dramatically in his first two years. Uh, and I see, foresee another progression, which – that can make for a pretty scary defensive line. And you guys have all know, well, people know that a good defensive line makes a big difference for everyone behind them. And I think that's going to be probably one of our most exciting things to watch come this year. And we've just not had that in the years previous. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, other than that, Jimmy Graham obviously coming over uh, is kind of a big deal. Six foot six of a big deal it'll be interesting to see how they use him in some of the packages and especially with the draft we went for some real tall uh six five six 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 three uh receivers and and so we're really heightening up our our passing options which is something that we haven't had in previous years as well um so it'll be interesting to see that connection between rogers and, and graham and if that turns out to be what i think we all think it could be that could be very dangerous well, there have been plenty of rumors also, at least nationally, about Aaron Rodgers and his relationship with the team this offseason. Does Rodgers really have issues with the front office, or were those rumors false? I think they were probably more false than true. Um, I think we were getting to that point before the draft where everyone's kind of looking for something to, to talk about and, and break a new story and get some clicks. Um, I don't think there's ever really been that big of an issue. I think, too, that ever since the Favre saga happened, 
everyone's always on edge a little bit about the Green Bay quarterback. And is it going to go that same way? And are we going to have a bad ending with Rodgers? I don't see that ever happening. I think uh, Rodgers will probably end his career here. Um, I hope he does. Um, but I don't think that there's any real issue. I'm a little concerned, though, with the way that they did handle some things. And I'm sure that there was probably um, a little bit of a, of a shock and surprise by Rodgers. But if I'm the organization, and I'm sure they did this, I, I would assume that they had to have addressed it, went to him and said, hey, you know, maybe we should have informed you about getting rid of your quarterback's coach. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, that's the coach that Rodgers spends 99% of his time with. I think that was the one thing that they did that was not cool. One of those moments where you just look at him like, nah, that's not cool, bro. Um, but, you know, again, it's a business. And, and when do we have to or where do we have to draw that line before it becomes the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers and not the Green Bay Packers? He still is the quarterback. His job is to play quarterback. Um, his opinion is value, but his opinion does not make or break this organization. And that's something that they've stood tall on for many years. And I think that's why we are as successful as we have been. I'm kind of a fantasy football guy, so I had a bit of a fantasy question, but also a real football question. Last year, obviously, in the backfield, we saw three different guys kind of handle the bulk of the work throughout the season with Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, and Jamal Williams. Do you guys expect one of these guys to kind of take the reins full time, or do you think that it'll be more of a committee where all three of them are involved around the football? That's a great question. Don't forget Devontae Mays was also a part of that, but he fumbled his first carry, so kind of lost his job there. Um, he can bounce back. I hope he does. I, I wish the best for him. I think the biggest question within that question is Ty Montgomery, and where does he go? Do we bring him back to receiver? Does he stay at running back? Where exactly are they planning to, to fit and scheme him? As for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I think those are your our two one and two. Uh, however they look at it, I'm not quite sure. It looks like Aaron Jones will probably start the season at one. But again, we'll have to see how that goes through camp and how they do. I love the combination of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think they offer kind of that, I know it's so overused, but the lightning and thunder. Um, I think Aaron Jones has a little bit of the, the scat back to him, can move, can break, can shift. Uh, where Jamal Williams is a little bit more of your, your classic back, uh, more of a Todd Gurley type back. And I love that kind of combination. We're not a huge run-first team, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. So it has to be, one, who can pass block the best, and two, who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So I think that will be an interesting thing to watch in camp and to see who kind of emerges as the number one back or if we just plan on doing a, a three-headed monster going into the season, which Patriots have done for a while, and they've, they've seemed to be pretty successful with it. All right, so here we go. What are your prospects for the Packers in 2018? Can they dethrone the Vikings? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Vikings, the Vikings The Vikings got one year, guys. Let's not get out of control here. Let's not forget who the title town is, is originated here. I'll tell you what. Uh, I am a, not a fan one bit of the Minnesota Vikings, more so than any other team in the NFC North. But I will give them a small bit of credit in the sense that they have done pretty darn well of assembling a team through the draft, especially on their defensive side. I think it is typical Viking to sink $80 million guaranteed into uh, that quarterback that they think is going to save their team when you had a pretty darn good one last year. Um, so I, that's par for course for them, and I hope that will bite them in the butt next year when they have a ton of free agents to sign. 
But I think when you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance at more more than dethroning the Vikings, if you say, uh, which makes me feel sick to say that. But you have a chance at the Super Bowl. You have a chance at winning the NFC. You have a chance at everything when you have him. And if he stays healthy, watch out. Because it, as good as that defense is, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is better uh, as a quarterback and as, as it's just a, a quarterback. He's just so good. Well, and I know we've been riding on that for so long. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying they can't dethrone the Vikings. I'm just saying, hey, looking back to where the Vikings are, they're a team that did their roster to get better in the offseason. I agree with you totally on, on you wouldn't even say his name, Kirk Cousins, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it bothers us. I had a huge, huge vent about it on the podcast a few weeks ago when they signed that contract because he just killed the salary cap for – Every team getting ready to sign a quarterback, including the Rams and Jared Goff. Yep. Well, that's changed everything. He did. And it, it's so hilarious to me when you look at these these quarterbacks, well, the four top quarterbacks paid prior to Matt Ryan, not a single playoff win. And that just blows my mind. And for us as uh, the Packer Nation, we're looking at it like, oh, just seeing dollar signs going up and up. And for you guys, too. I mean, I've we actually had a podcast on the sweep discussing how the Rams have done what they've done and how you guys continue to put together all these great players and, and get all these guys on there. But you guys are going to have issues coming up in the next two years where you guys are going to have to, you know, start making some re-signings of some pretty top-name guys, including your quarterback. And it's not cheap. And it really changes a lot of things when you're putting a, a 20% of your entire salary cap into one guy. Well, they're, they're going to – they have some things in place to, to make those signs and fix some of those things. There's no way they can keep everybody. And nope. that's the problem. And then you go ahead, you, you throw $84 million at somebody guaranteed for three years. Now you've just raised the economic market on every quarterback out yes. there who's worth their salt. And that includes Aaron Rodgers. That includes Jared Goff. That includes Carson Wentz, you know, for Zach Cohen up. It's going to be a problem here. Now, yes, it's the salary cap start keep increasing, keep improving, keep getting more money that, that people would spend. Now they're getting stupid with it and, and spending more on quarterbacks when this is a, is a team game. I keep going back to Jack, the, the Joe Flacco contract. How good oh, yeah. have the Broncos, not Broncos, I apologize, the Ravens been since the infamous Joe Flacco contract? Right. Let me ask you this, and I brought this up on one of our podcasts. If you're starting or if you're a GM you're taking over a team and you have the option to, to draft a quarterback high, like a, a golf, and you have the potential for that four-year gap, five-year gap potentially, kind of run it, or would you rather spend 20% of your salary cap on a guy that you know for sure? I mean, it's kind of one of those things like, yeah, you have Aaron Rodgers, and that's great and grand, but we're so handcuffed with a lot of other positions because so much of our cap is put into him, whereas you look at these other teams, three of the four that were in the playoffs last year, in the Eagles, Vikings, and who am I forgetting here? Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Falcons, Rams. and you know, I'm trying to think Pretty of their Saints, Panthers. Yeah, half of them, see. A lot of younger teams, uh, or a lot of younger quarterbacks amongst those teams, and it's just one of those things, like, I don't, it's hard to, to fathom putting so much money into one guy and then expecting, having such high expectations for every other position, you have to skimp off of other positions if you want to pay that, that elite quarterback. And I do think that it, it it's a team-by-team team case because... In the case of the Vikings, you got to go pay somebody it, because we're not sitting here having this conversation about the Packers being able to dethrone the Vikings if they drafted Josh Jack or Josh Allen. We'd be sitting here saying, how much do the, the Panthers finish ahead of the 
the Vikings this year, Packers, sorry. But I think it's team by team. I definitely get the point, but quarterbacks get paid that much for, for a reason. And if you can get that rookie, that's Carson Wentz or Jared Goff or like that, of course. Of course, you'd rather have that option, but it's such a crapshoot sometimes in the first round with guys that, whether they pan out or not. Well, I think in, in your case with the Rams and, and with the with Goff, you guys are doing exactly what you have to do. You kind of have this small three-year window where you almost have to kind of go full speed and, and kind of put yourself in maybe some salary cap scares because you, you that's is your chance. This is your chance to get it with a with only paying a quarterback a couple million dollars instead of having to pay him thirty three million or thirty million dollars. So um, same with kind of how they did it with Russell Wilson. I mean, when he came out, he played as good as he did. You have you have to go big everywhere else. Yep. Well, you can't. All right, Fred. We want to thank you so much for coming on, folks. You can follow him at F Thurston XXII, or is it Fred Thurston twenty second? Or you can check out his podcast. Uh, the sweet podcast at the Pack to the Future website. Fred, thanks a lot. We would like to reconnect with you come 2018 when the Rams and Packers face off. Oh, you got it. You can you can put it on the calendar anytime. All right, we'll be, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Go Pack, go. Hey, have a spot of cow <laughs> for me, man. Hey, I will. You ever have one of those nights, Steve, when no matter what you do, your words just don't come out right? <laughs> Tonight's one of those nights. I'm just oh, like, I, oh my gosh. Oh, boy. Oh, it is. But maybe it's just the fact it's getting later in the week. I can't tell you. I'm just sitting there thinking, you just said Panthers instead of Packers. Yeah. I'm tripping yeah. over words. <laughs> and I haven't had a drink, man. I'm totally sober. Me too. I'm totally sober. <laughs> Me too. So real quick before we get over to, uh, to Zach here, Packers real quick. The thing about the Packers is, is you just never really know when Rodgers gets hurt. Everything changes, like he said. He's When he's healthy... I can think of who's more dangerous, really, than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody. No, but he's still the best quarterback in the league. I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that are great. Even more than Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, if you replace Tom Brady, if you switch Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, which team gets worse? Because I definitely think it's the Packers. And that's not a not. I'm no disrespect to Tom Brady. You know, sometimes when you're arguing about the greatness, it's not necessarily who is the most talented versus who's the greatest. And obviously. Obviously, Tom Brady ranked well above Aaron Rodgers all time right now, but you just turn on a Packer game when Aaron Rodgers is out there. And for a lot of these years recently, he is just the only guy on offense. Like, if you put anyone else back there, that team falls apart. And we saw it this year. What's his face? Brett Hundley. Obviously not a great quarterback. But put Aaron Rodgers back in, and we're talking about how that team could go to the playoffs, even though they need to win out at the end of the year. I think that he is the best quarterback in the league still. It's not a huge gap between him and Brady, but I think if you put Brady behind a bad line, he's he's old and he's slow, and fair enough, he's had a hell of a career, but Rodgers has been behind bad lines, and he's still been able to lift his team to usually being in the playoffs. And he could be injured, yeah, but he's really only had two injury seasons his whole career. I would bet on the side that he will be healthy. Oh, Lordy. Let's hope he is. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. You know, part of you wants to see him out there and do what he does, and then part of him, part of you's like, look, if he's hurt, that's, that's one we don't less, have to worry about. That's yeah, that's one less team to worry about. But I always work. Packers always give the Rams fits. All right, so you want to handle the next sponsor? I can, yeah. Go for this it. This is our friends over at the Golden Ram Barbershop at thirteen seven fifty five Golden West Street in Westminster, California. If you've listened, you know them. If you haven't, 
you should get to know Sal Martinez and his barbershop that he opened as a Shrine of the Rams the day they left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's available by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Let him know we sent you. He'll give you a nice discount. It's an old-school barbershop. It's got an old-school feel. You want to go talk some Rams football? Sal is your guy to get a haircut with. The shop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays. Sal's got to watch football, man. He's one of us. Trust me, guys. You won't regret going to the Golden Ram Barbershop. It'll give you a great haircut. He's done it for Derek before. He's done it for Norm. He may do it for me if I ever get out to the West Coast. But can't go wrong with the Golden Ram Barbershop. Hey, he made us look normal. Okay, and that's all I can really say. Miss formal. Also, folks, we're looking for sponsors for the 2018 season. This is a great and inexpensive way to get the word out in your business. Our numbers, I got to tell you, they're freaking good. And they're getting better every week. So even in the offseason, that's the shocker. Usually the numbers just die in the offseason. But we've done pretty well. And so, hey, if you want to be with us, uh, help uh, be a part of our team and help us be a part of your team, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out. All right. So our next guest is NewJersey.com, NJ.com, Eagles beat writer and the No Huddle Show co-host, Zach Rosenblatt. He's here to talk about the Eagles offseason. Zach, you there? Yeah, I'm here. He's there. He's ready to roll. So let's just jump right into it. Well, one, welcome to the show. Here's the obvious question. How did the city of Philadelphia handle Eagles finally winning the Super Bowl? You know, it's 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 been really cool to see. It's even, you know, a few months, a couple months later now, everybody's around town is still kind of emotional about it. You know, we've had players tell us stories about, you know, grown men coming up to them and crying and thanking them for, for bringing the Super Bowl to Philadelphia finally. Like people have been waiting for this moment for so long, and they're kind of still basking in that glory, and they will probably until the next year's, until the next Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Uh, congratulations, of course. Uh, I felt very bad when Wentz went down against us, and it was awesome to see former Ram, not gr- not Rams great, just former Ram Nick Foles have his moment in the sun uh, <laughs> outplaying Don Brady in the Super Bowl. That was wild. So, you know, knowing you guys are out here trying to defend for title, and many NFC teams are coming at you to try and take the throne or whatnot. What was the mentality of the front office this offseason? What ways did they go into improving their roster and just trying to keep this thing afloat and win another one? Well, the amazing thing about the way Howie Roseman has uh, built up the Eagles roster is that he didn't really have to do all that much necessarily this offseason because almost everybody's under contract till next next offseason is going to be a lot more interesting. But this offseason, the focus has kind of been just you know, building some depth, clearing a little bit of cap space, and kind of maintaining some flexibility for the 2019 offseason when they have a, a bunch of guys going into free agency and they're going to need some like rookies and young guys to step up. So they're they're kind of you know they've been focused on adding veterans on short term contracts that aren't kind of ha- that won't hamstring them in the future, and that's going to kind of make them p- capable of you know signing guys or re-signing guys next year. Now, they did make a couple moves. What major roster spots did the Eagles try to take care of first in light of, you know, they let Brett Sell go and so on and so forth? And was there anything, anybody who left that was disappointing to traction from the roster? I, I, I don't know if they're necess- They kind of, all the players they got rid of either weren't contributing much last year or they upgraded them anyway. Like, so they, they released Vinnie Curry 
who has been a valuable defensive end for them for the last uh, like five or six years. And then they went, turned around and traded for Michael Bennett, who's been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL the last three years. So they, you know, they've done a really good job of replacing the guys they've gotten rid of with other players. And, and I guess if their biggest loss is probably Patrick Robinson, a cornerback. He's their, uh, he was their slot cornerback. He kind of came out of nowhere last year. They almost cut him before training camp. And then he became maybe one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And then he signed up for um, a lucrative deal with the Saints this offseason. But if, if your biggest problem is that you lost a slot cornerback, I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. So, obviously they didn't make many moves. Was there a spot in the depth chart that they felt like they needed to address quickly? Or was there a disappointing release or anything like that, that somebody that maybe got caught and didn't get replaced? Uh, I don't know about disappointing, but I would say if, if there was a, if there was any black marks on Howie's resume from this offseason, one would be that they, they traded for a corner in Daryl Worley. It didn't cost them anything. They traded Torrey Smith, who they were going to probably cut anyway. They got Daryl Worley, a corner, and then he wound up getting arrested and they cut him promptly, so he's not going to play it down for the Eagles. So that was, that, that wasn't great. And then they, they let Bo Allen go, a defensive tackle. He signed with the Buccaneers. He was, one of their best run stoppers on the D-line last year, a valuable part of the rotation. Let him go to the Bucks and replace him with Lodi Nada, who obviously has a great track record, but he's also 34 years old. He only played like three games last year because of an injury. So it, it, that became a question mark, especially with there was recent news that Tim Jernigan is going to be out for a while. So now they all of a sudden don't really have much depth at the defensive tackle spot. So I would say if, I'd say that would probably be their biggest, most disappointing way they, they attack this offseason and what would be in the interior defensive line. Well, you're talking about things that need to change, you know, you're losing to the again. The draft. You guys didn't have as many picks as other teams did have. What were you happy with in terms of the draft, and what were some of the things that they didn't well, maybe, I'll say, I'll say, maybe struck out on? You know, they're again, they're focused on the draft this year because none of the guys that were going to draft, in reality, unless they were like a s- absolute stud, there's good chance none of these rookies start this year and that's almost on purpose because they don't really need them to they bring back almost their entire starting lineup and uh the guys they drafted are were mostly with an eye towards next year you know they they traded back out of the first round and picked up an extra second round pick next year Uh, i think they're as of right now they're on track to have like a 10 or 11 picks as of today in 2019 and and you know with the first pick they got dallas goddard a tight end from south dakota state you won't have to come in and be the number one tight end because they have one of the best tight ends in the league in Zach Ertz already. And in the fourth round, they got a guy in uh, Josh uh, Tenven who, you know, he has some question marks, so he's somewhat risky. But for the Eagles, it's a, you know, low-risk, high-reward kind of thing. They already have so many defensive ends. And he, if he has the talent to, you know, be a first-round level guy, then they, they that was a smart, you know, a smart play for them to, to think ahead like that. So I, I don't think they necessarily did anything that bad. I, I was surprised they didn't draft a safety because they at, behind their starters, they – don't really have any experienced backups right now, and and they might have to get rid of one of those starters next year to clear cap space. So I, I think that if if there was a black mark on the the draft resume, it would probably be that. But overall, it was a solid draft because they filled some depth needs and they added some guys that down the line could become something. And of course, you mentioned the safeties. We got to give a shout out to former Rams captain and Super Bowl champion Rodney McLeod, right? Yeah, Rodney McLeod. <laughs> That's our guy. Yeah. Uh, moving on, because Derek hates when I harp on random former Rams players. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, is to help, is going to be probably the biggest subject of the Eagles offseason. What are, fa- what are fans expecting him back on the field and kind of piggybacking off this? 
if he's 100% healthy come preseason and he looks ready to go, will the team, do you think they would pursue a trade for Nick Foles? And what kind of compensation do you think they would want in order to trade Foles? You know, Carson spoke to the press a couple times uh, in recent weeks, and uh, he, se- he seemed to indicate that he- he's gearing up to be ready for week one. I don't know if it'll be 100%. Uh, generally, the injury he had takes 9 to 12 months or something like that, and he got injured in, in December. So uh, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if they took it easy with him, especially because they have Nick Foles. But, you know, if in the scenario that he's 100% ready to go, uh, I'm still not 100%. I still don't know that they're going to pursue trading Nick Foles necessarily yet. I think it would have to be something like what happened when they traded Sam Bradford for a first-round pick when Teddy Bridgewater uh, tore his knee up and the Vikings had a need and they were able to find it. If a team loses a guy before the season, I think and out of desperation, they might give the Eagles an offer that they'd be willing to listen to. But they just restructured Nick Foles' contract to kind of benefit him if he does become a starter for them this year and Carson Wentz gets hurt. And there's kind of mutual respect there. And with Carson Wentz playing style, there's a good chance he – Misses a couple games regardless of how he starts out the year health-wise. So I, I just think it's valuable to have him. If, if if a team comes in with a great offer and a high-round draft pick, you have to say yes. But I, I think it, it makes sense to keep him around. And with him around, they have the best quarterback room in the NFL. So I don't think that's such a bad thing. Yeah, I want to zero back in the draft. There was one guy we were watching who was actually somebody we wanted. It was Josh Sweat from Florida State. We saw him drop all the way to the fourth round. What was the deal with that that the Eagles were able to get him? Was there any kind of word on his health or so on and so forth that caused this drop to where basically I felt like the Eagles got a steal? Yeah, so he had a serious knee injury in high school, and uh, I, I forget exactly what the knee injury was, but the, the, the crazy thing, you know, he he fell because of that. It was purely because of that because his talent's all there. He has the his kind of ridiculous athleticism and size for a defensive end, but the knee is kind of, I guess maybe some teams weren't happy with the way the medicals came back, but he only missed one game, I think in college. And he said that he didn't really miss any practices. So I, that bodes well. I think that's going to be something they're going to keep an eye on. And th- I think the reason, the reason why the Eagles were going to draft a guy like that is they can afford to take a risk on a guy who, if he doesn't work out, he's a fourth round pick anyway. And they're really deep at defensive end that they might be as deep at defensive end as any position on the roster. So I, it, it was. I think that was their home run pick and the one they're probably most proud of. Awesome. So kind of getting towards what we're going to expect next season. Do you think that this team has enough ammunition to repeat? Is your expectation next year another ring? Uh, I, I absolutely think they have the ammunition to repeat. They, you know, like I said, almost everybody's coming back and that continuity is, is huge, especially considering the level of success they had even before the playoffs. Last year, they have Nick Foles and Carson Wentz back, so they have you know all their bases covered if somebody gets hurt. They've added, they've upgraded a few positions, including defensive end. Assigned Mike Wallace, a wide receiver, he's going to be a deep threat that they didn't have last year really. And on top of that, you add Dallas Goddard, you return Darren Sproles, you return Jason Peters, you return Jordan Hicks on defense. So they're in a unique position where they're bringing back everybody and they're kind of adding guys who are already familiar with how things work. So it's almost like they're adding these guys as free agents in a way because they missed most of last season. So I, in terms of talent, I don't know if there are many teams. The Rams are the only one. Maybe Yeah, the Rams are probably the only one that even comes close to them in terms of talent top to bottom, position by position on their roster. But I, I think they're definitely in position to make another run, that's for sure. I would definitely agree with that. I do want to ask quick, as you did mention Darren Sproles, and ask a similar question to Fred. The backfield, there was a little turnover with LeGarrette Blount leaving, obviously, but uh, 
JJ was brought in midseason last year. Do you expect the Eagles' backfield to kind of remain in a full-blown committee as it was last season, or do you think that they're going to try and put a little bit more weight on JJ's shoulder and maybe make him more of a feature back than just another cog in the system? I, I, th- I think JJ is going to get, you know, he's going to be the number one back. He'll get the most carries, but you know, they they've gotten Corey Clement, who was undrafted free agent last year. He kind of emerged in the second half of the year as you know, a short yardage guy and in the Super Bowl he had a hundred receiving yards. And I think they really like him and he's kind of the future of their backfield. So I I would say it's it's probably JJ one, uh Corey Clement two, and then you have Darren Sproles as their pass catching option on third downs, he'll play a lot. And they just signed to Matt Jones actually yesterday to be like kinda of like Lou Garrett Blunt light and bring that kind of in between the tackles, rough, short yardage running back. So I I think they are the carries up quite a bit. JJ does have some question marks with his knee. That's in part why they were limiting him a little bit last year, and he's going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason. So I, I think they are going to s- split the carries. I do think Ajayi will lead lead the batch, but I, I don't I don't for in, in terms of like fantasy, I don't know if it's the most ideal situation to be drafting a guy from. I totally agree with that. I'm probably going to try and steer clear of all of them. Isn't that kind of kind of nature of the game though? And you know, we're seeing we're not really seeing as many future backs anymore. It's more more and more to coming. Running back by committee. We have two teams on the show tonight where we're seeing that. And we're going to see that with Seattle probably this year. We're going to see it with probably Arizona, with David Johnson, if they're trying to save him. Uh, no, I'm just no. no, no. There is no, not no. going to be a committee in Arizona. No, no I'm not. You think, you think okay, absolutely. We'll the argument for later. Positively not. I, no, I, you really think that with him coming up in the ACL injury. He had a, he broke his wrist. What? Yeah, yeah, not David Johnson. David Johnson oh, is getting God. all the work. Oh my lord! Okay, <laughs> but either way, yeah, I think uh, I think a guy like that because like if Todd Gurley tore his knock on wood, please hope this doesn't happen. If Todd Gurley tore his ACL this year, week one, like when Johnson got injured, I do still think that we'd mix in some pass catching backs probably, but I would I would still expect him to get the bulk of the work when he comes back. Well, he will, but. I'm really talking about the trend overall. I mean, it pardon my foolishness there, but we're seeing more and more of the running back. I mean, the Browns were doing it for the last couple of years. When they, I mean, are the Browns. We saw it in Seattle. We saw it in Green Bay. Or we're seeing it in Philadelphia. So I'm wondering if that if that age is slowly starting to die. It is definitely interesting. I think a lot of teams, it's going to be more of a, like Fred mentioned the thunder and lightning thing where you got one back who handles kind of the two between the tackles work and another guy is more of a pass catcher. The Eagles are a bit more rare because they last year they were running four different guys out of the backfield and who are all pretty productive. You don't in today's league you normally get a two man committee. You occasionally get the three man committee where a lot of guys get equal work, but it is weird because you go from a teams like the Rams, the Steelers, the Cowboys who just have one guy dominating the ball and then there's teams like the Eagles and all these teams to varying degrees are still pretty successful so it will be interesting to see where that goes I think there will be a balance struck between hardcore like heavy duty guys I mean we saw this year Saquon Barkley went number two in the draft and other teams who if they can't get a guy who's an alpha dog like David Johnson and Todd Gurley etc they're just going to get a three or four guys that can run and play well. Zach, when you're talking about this running back by committee kind of thing, was it surprising in Philadelphia when they did go get a Jai? Yeah, it was just because of the, the timing of it in the middle of the season. You know, 
not you know it was the middle of the season. They they were pretty good at running back. Like Legarrette Blunt has been pretty good. Lamena just started to emerge, and then they kind of out of nowhere got brought in this talented running back for just a fourth round pick. I, people were really surprised, and it, it it worked out. It worked gangbusters. He he didn't have to get as many carries, but when he did, he was really effective. I think his yards per carry was in the fives, I believe, which is pretty ridiculous. Finishing things off and looking forward now to 2018. Put your predictor cap on. Seeing this roster in Philadelphia as it is, seeing, you know, you already know the ammunition's there, that this team is basically set, contracts are set for one more year at least. You have teams like the Packers, the Rams, the Vikings. Do they, where are the Eagles finish? They, do they win the division? Do they go all the way to the conference championship game again? Do they go to the Super Bowl again? What's your prediction right now based on what you're seeing across the league? Well, I think after the schedule came out, my early prediction was they go, I think, 13-3. and three. And I, I think the NFC East is pretty bad. I think all three of the other NFC East teams have pretty strange off seasons. You know, the Cowboys got rid of all their, either got rid of or retired all of their weapons. The Giants are sticking with Eli Manning for some reason, and uh, and the Redskins are the Redskins. So I, I, I just think <laughs> that the yeah, Eagles, they are. I think the Eagles might run away with that. The division games are always tough, but play those teams. So not saying the games will be easy necessarily, but. I think they're going to win that division pretty easily. And I, as long as they stay healthy, and even if they don't, apparently, because they didn't stay healthy last year, uh, I think they're going to be in position to make another run to the Super Bowl. Hey, I'm definitely picking them to win the NFC East, but we do got to say, it feels like whoever wins the NFC East is never who we thought was going to win the NFC East. True. Every year, it's something yeah. weird. I don't really see that happening this year, but I mean, I'm probably not going to like this, but Dallas, you never know. I They might creep up. I, I would still take the Eagles pretty convincingly, but. I can see Dallas. I mean, in no, a strange world, maybe the Giants. Steve, Dallas has too many problems. I would, I would. The Giants at least have talent. They at least had bad coaching last year, but Dallas has so many issues right now. I couldn't even imagine that. You never know, man. I, like I said, I'm taking the Eagles, but you know they got Zeke back. Yeah. He's gonna be. He's an X factor, and when he left, they fell apart. Zach, what do you guys see about your division out there? What was that? What are you guys actually seeing? You said the division's going to be pretty bad. Is there any credence at all the idea at this point that the Cowboys or the Giants or the Deadskins will be able to do anything to really stop the Eagles this year? I I just don't see it. I I mean, I said a few of the weaknesses of each of their teams before. I mean, the Giants, out of all four teams, they, pro- they have some of the most intriguing weapons. You know, they added Saquon Barkley to a group that, if Odell Beckham stays healthy, he's still prop. If not the best, he's one of the top three receivers in the NFL. And they have a good tight end and Sterling Shepard. And, and they added a running back to the mix. But Eli Manning is really hasn't been good in like four or five years. And they don't have a quarterback behind him. They didn't really – they drafted a young guy in the third or fourth round, I think. But And they have a lot of holes everywhere else on the roster. So I, the Giants maybe are intriguing. The Redskins, you know, they're okay. Uh, they didn't really get better, but I don't know if it really got worse. But I, I just don't see anyone challenging the Eagles over the course of a 16-game schedule. All right, Zach. I just want to thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been a weird night for us. It's, we're never usually this, uh, well, weird. So thanks for coming on. We really appreciate your your information on the Eagles. Uh, we're looking forward to that game this year. Yeah. Eagles-Rams Part 2. I can't wait for that game. Thanks for having me, guys. Take Come care. on, man. Trust the process. Trust the process. <laughs> All right, hey, if you want to follow Zach on Twitter, um, you can do that. It's actually really easy. He's at Zach Blatt on Twitter. Also, hey, check out his podcast. And by the way, 
we tuned to you now. There's a certain podcast in town, Zach, that we used to check out. We don't check them out anymore. Let's just say that. We don't check them out anymore. Appreciate we won't say anything else about it. We won't say anything else about it, but we won't check them out. We don't check them out anymore. Okay. So, all right. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, all the conversation tonight, two contenders, Packers and now the Eagles. Steve, what do you expect this year out of the Eagles? It's hard not to expect them to be in the mix of the title. They, like Zach said, they brought back everybody. They, we know what Nick Foles is. We watched him for a whole season. He's normally like not the Nick Foles that we saw in the Super Bowl. He does that about 20 to 30% of the times. He just comes out and looks like some kind of god warrior out there. But when Carson Wentz is back, they're going to be a better team. They're not going to have as much drive as they did last year, but I cannot say that the drive is going to be gone because Philly Philly teams always have a drive, and I think they're going to be right back in the mix. Slightly less hungry. Like, they're not going to be starving for a title, but they're still going to be looking for a nice little meal. And I think that they will be... They're, they're the favorites to come out of the NFC right now. We could say all we want about the Rams. I think the Rams could definitely come out of the NFC, but no one can act like the Eagles aren't the favorite. Well, and as much as we talk about our coach, our coaching staff, Doug Peterson did a heck of a job assembling that coaching staff in Philadelphia and then putting a team on the field that's going to go out there and win. I, I, let's admit that. that he When they, when this or the Eagles hired Doug Peterson, I was thinking, what? Are you serious? That's that's the guy they are bringing in, or, and he's done a fantastic job with that roster that's been given to him and his system in place, developing Carson Wentz. I'm pretty high in the Eagles. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do against the Rams. I want to see that rematch. I want to see those two teams go at it again. And and can the Eagles stop that Rams defensive line? Will Carson Wentz be able to throw as easily? on the Rams secondary as they did last year. But now this secondary is overhauled. And, I mean, on paper, it's probably the best secondary in the league. I want to see that. I want to see what the Eagles can do in the end. I really think that it's going to be a heck of a ball game. It might be the ball game of the year. No, totally. I mean, week 15, again, it's late in the season like last year. It's hopefully and most likely going to have heavy seeding implications between two of the NFC's top teams. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a great game. It was an awesome game last year. It was probably the best loss that we had uh, in terms of just watchability. Hopefully this year, instead of Carson Wentz getting injured and the Eagles winning, we see Carson Wentz stay healthy and the Rams win. That's what I'd hope for. Uh, it would be nice. All right, folks, our last sponsor. Hey, it's summertime in Southern California, right? Sun, hot weather, visits to the pool, you know, there's lots of fun going on, hopefully. Well, no one wants to have fun in a yucky-looking pool. No one wants to have fun in an old-school yucky pool that doesn't have any kind of new thing, new look to it. It just looks old and 1970s-ish. You don't want that. So, hey, if you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool Plaster and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plaster and Remodeling serves Orange County and the Southland. Hey, and it's run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of four Ram, John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, it's a great opportunity to support our podcast 
and to help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in that area, give Jayhawk Pool Plaster a call. You'll be glad you did. Okay, here's my big surprise. NFL.com today made a major prediction, okay? Because they just love making predictions. Adam Shane, the NFL.com columnist, predicted that both L.A. teams make a deep playoff run. Now, we don't care about the Chargers making a deep playoff run. What we do, we do care about the Rams making a playoff run. This is what they have to say. And this is quote and quote. Over the past week on my serious radio, uh, serious XM Mad Dog, sports radio show Shine on Sports, I spoke with Rams general manager Les Steven, Chargers GM Tom Telesco. Both are feeling good about the offseason, rightfully so. Sneak cleaned up in trades and free agency, making a reigning division champion even stronger. Brandon Cooks, a key to leave. Marcus Peters and Nadalkatsu, which protect the pickups. We all know this. Okay, and then of course he talks some more about those Chargers. So he makes a prediction at the end. The Chargers and the Rams are both hitting the postseason and winning playoff games. I guarantee it. An all LA Super Bowl isn't a Hollywood pipe dream. It's truly possible. Also his predictions. Aaron Donald wins Defensive Player of the Year. I like that. So, that was my surprise. How are you feeling? I, to be honest with you, I'm like, I feel like every year I'm predicting the Chargers to make the playoffs because they always have a pretty solid roster, and they're always on the bubble. Philip Rivers is, I don't think he's on the decline. He's not in his prime, but he's fine. He's still very good. I do think that if this team could ever play like in September like they do in December then they're gonna be in the playoffs every season but for some reason they're always like 0-5 or 1-6 and and just win out or something for the rest of the season ever I mean am I wrong in thinking that every year but they they never even when they were really good and their Schottenheimer and so on and so forth when they they would do weird things when under um North Turner they would win games they'd win 11 12 games that they would look horrible getting there like they'd be three and three the Rams upset them one year didn't they they did in yeah. St. Louis and and the Rams were bad <laughs> They were horrible. I mean, and so I look at the Chargers, and I think the town's been there for a while. But there's just something about the organization that it hasn't turned the cult, turned the corner. The culture isn't straight, and we can we could potentially make the same argument with the Rams. The Rams, we we believe the culture's been turned over. We think that, but until they win that first playoff game, until we see them go deeper in the playoffs, I'm not sure we can say that for sure. For the Chargers, there's another thing too, Steve. I want you to think about this, and that is. Do they even have a home field advantage at this point? They don't. They absolutely don't. Okay. They and I, I think of other teams in the past that have moved and or went through a, a relocation, and, and this is especially a painful one. I can't think of any of those teams that moved to their new new cities that didn't have the horrible support or did have the horrible support that the Chargers have now. There's no way around it. So they have a lot of adversity they have to deal with. I'm not so sure they can really come out on top. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane to predict the Chargers to make the Super Bowl. It's in the deck. Like, it's in the deck of cards, but you're talking about one card, not like an entire suit. I think the Rams, last season, I think we were kind of all on agreement, whereas as much as we would have loved to make a run in the playoffs last year, we we're just kind of happy to be there. The season kind of just felt like a dream the whole time, and we got there. And we were playing a Falcons team coming off a very embarrassing playoff loss. It's a tough out for a young team. We got some good experience. We played a close game. A couple mistakes. We might win that. A couple mistakes avoided, and we might win that game. But this year, obviously, the expectations are higher. The roster is different. We brought in a lot of vets, a lot of good vets. 
and I think that the, this team is poised to make a run. Uh, anything short of a conference championship game, I think, would be a disappointment. Not the end of the world, but a disappointment. So, in LA, Chargers Super Bowl, it's not a Hollywood pipe dream, but it's not something that I'm going to bet anything on. But, like they say, if you get the playoffs, all you got to do is win three games to go to the Super Bowl. And I think the Chargers should, are definitely a favorite to make the playoffs. To make a run in the playoffs? No. But if you're there, strange things happen. Well, I'll tell you my dream scenario, okay? Uh, flat out, I want a Rams-Patriots rematch. That's what I want to say. I don't know if I could handle another loss to the Patriots, though, but that would be nice. Uh, uh, you know what? I wouldn't necessarily count as a loss this time. No, of course not. Of course I, not. I, I wouldn't. So. You're in the Super Bowl, you have a 50-50 chance. Well. That's, that's not it, true at all. I mean, if you're playing the odds makers, maybe. But <laughs> I, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this when we have the Patriots guy on, but I, I don't. Necessarily, I'm not as high on the Patriots' future as I would have been maybe 10 years ago. I mean, Tom Brady's 40, Bill Belichick's in his 60s. They showed some dissension in the Super Bowl with Malcolm Butler. You know, one thing I know about Bill Belichick, and this is going way back to when he was coaching the Browns, is eventually, sooner or later, his personnel will wear you out. I'm surprised he hasn't worn out in New England yet, but it's been 18 years. 19 almost. It's going to be 19. 19, I forgot. It was 2000, right? It was his first year there. And so I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see this massive, great, luxurious future. The, the, to me, the Patriots traded away their future last year when they traded Garoppolo. Now you got to find somebody else to step in for Brady afterwards. No, you're not wrong there, but if Brady wants to come back, and what are you going to do? Pay Garoppolo max money to be sit on the bench, it's, it wouldn't have been a good idea for either side. I think, while it sucks that they had to get rid of somebody that good, you get two year, more years of Tom Brady, you could hopefully find a guy that can fill in in his shoes. And they've had a couple backups in the past that have proved to be decent quarterbacks. But I'm definitely not ready to count the Patriots out. I think that playing them in the Super Bowl is less scary than it was years ago. But, I mean, we're talking about a team that has made at least the AFC Championship in the last seven seasons. So if I had to bet on this, I'd probably say it's going to be eight. But I agree, they're they're definitely falling, but it's a slow fall. And I think if Tom Brady's still kicking, I mean, we forget how good Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl because of how good the Eagles were. But he, he, he was killer. And a fumble near the end of the game, that, that's, that was really his only mistake. So I do think that they're the favorites to come out of the AFC again. Maybe not as heavy as a favorite as in years past, but a Rams-Patriots matchup would be fun. And really a Rams-anyone Super Bowl matchup would be fun. Oh, yeah, but I, I want yeah, that personal. That I still believe in, in my heart of hearts, I still believe in the Patriots cheat that Super Bowl. So just saying, just saying. <laughs> All right, so it is time for us to say goodnight in what has been an interesting podcast, to say the least. Hey, but don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Steve, well, at Steve Rivera. Don't forget to follow us on, on iTunes. It really means a lot to us. Um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, iebradio.com. All those things help us grow. We're doing the best we can to provide a podcast that is informative, that gets you guys in the loop, not just on the Rams, but in the NFL. And we have more guests coming, folks, more big-time guests. Surprises, surprises, surprises down the pike. I promise you that. So that in mind, we're Steve Ribeiro. This is Derek C. Paul. We'll see you this weekend. Take care.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.